An ancient Egyptian medical papyrus from 1200 BC describes painful walking and heavy pelvis in a man with water flowing from between the buttocks. Can you guess what disease was afflicting him? The answer is reactive arthritis, one of the seronegative spondyloarthritides. Water flowing from between the buttocks can be considered a euphemism for severe diarrhea secondary to gastrointestinal infection, while the painful walking and heavy pelvis suggest joint inflammation and enthesitis. It wasn't until the 20th century when reactive arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, enteropathic arthritis, and ankylosing spondylitis were grouped together as the seronegative spondyloarthritides based on their common clinical, serological, and radiographic patterns. Today, our patient has seronegative spondyloarthritis, and you are the doctor. Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast written by internal medicine residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is entitled, Beware of Pear, an Approach to Seronegative Spondyloarthritides. All right, time for a minute physiology. Seronegative spondyloarthritides are a family of disorders that includes pear, psoriatic arthritis, enteropathic or IBD-associated arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, and reactive arthritis. Although these patients are seronegative, that is, they test negative for rheumatoid factor and anti-CCP, they are still distinct from patients with clinical rheumatoid arthritis who lack rheumatoid factor and anti-CCP positivity. The seronegative spondyloarthritides are unique in their involvement of the spine, or the axial skeleton, joint distribution, and presence of enthesitis, or inflammation of the sites where ligaments and tendons insert into the bone. While the exact pathophysiology remains unclear, these conditions, like all autoimmune diseases, have a genetic and environmental component. Several cytokines, such as tumor necrosis factor, or TNF, and interleukin-17 have been implicated in the inflammatory cascade of seronegative spondyloarthritides. All right, so now that we've talked about the basic overview, let's talk about the approach. You are asked to assess a young patient with severe peripheral oligoarthritis. What questions will you ask on history? First, make sure to ask about features of inflammatory arthritis. Seronegative spondyloarthritides typically present with asymmetric oligoarthritis and morning stiffness. Axial involvement in the form of inflammatory back pain is also a cardinal feature of seronegative spondyloarthritides, particularly in ankylosing spondylitis. Ask your patient about the insidious onset of lower back pain that improves with exercise and NSAIDs, but worsens with inactivity. Morning stiffness and nocturnal back pain are also key features of inflammatory back pain. Your suspicion should be raised even more if the symptom started before the age of 45 and has been ongoing for more than three months. Of course, for any patient who presents with back pain, make sure to identify any red flag features, including saddle anesthesia, bowel or bladder incontinence, and constitutional symptoms. Don't forget to ask your patient also about any extra-articular manifestations of seronegative spondyloarthritis. Does your patient complain of plaque-like rashes suggestive of psoriasis? 
History of ocular pain, redness, photophobia can indicate ocular involvement in the form of uveitis, iritis, or conjunctivitis, and these symptoms should prompt an ophthalmology consult. You should also ask your patient about any abdominal symptoms, such as diarrhea or bloody stool, that may represent an underlying inflammatory bowel disease-associated arthritis. Articular symptoms one to four weeks following a recent gastrointestinal or genitourinary infection is in keeping with reactive arthritis. Other questions to ask your patient about include recent travel history, fevers, chills, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, dysuria, and genital discharge or rashes. The classic triad for reactive arthritis includes uveitis, urethritis, and arthritis which can easily be remembered as can't see, can't pee, can't climb a tree. A seronegative spondylarthritides have a genetic component. Ask about any family history of arthritis, especially that involving the back, IBD, or psoriasis. Finally, it is important to ask your patient about their functional limitations. As with any rheumatic disease, seronegative spondylarthritides can be quite disabling, are their symptoms affecting their ability to work or their ability to perform daily activities of living? This question can provide clues to the severity and impact of their disease. On to our physical exam. As always, make sure to check your patient's ABCs before proceeding. Once you confirm that your patient is stable, start by inspecting the joints for signs of swelling, deformity, and erythema. Do any of your patient's fingers or toes look like a swollen sausage? This may suggest the presence of dactylitis. Carefully palpate each joint for effusion and tenderness. Assess each one's range of motion and check for enthesitis at the Achilles tendon, plantar fascia, and lateral epicondyle. Seronegative spondylarthritides typically manifests as oligoarticular and asymmetric with lower extremity predominance. However, keep in mind that psoriatic arthritis is known as the great mimicker and can have different patterns that mimic other forms of arthritis. Psoriatic arthritis can also affect the distal interphalangeal or DIP joint, unlike in rheumatoid arthritis where the DIP joint is spared. A thorough back exam is also critical. Test for range of motion and perform specialized maneuvers, including the Chauvers test and Oxput-to-Wall test, where there is suspicion for axial involvement. Finally, perform a thorough skin exam from head to toe, looking for new rashes, nail changes, and psoriatic lesions. Don't forget to check the scalp behind the ears, in the umbilicus, and cleft between the buttocks. Circinate balanitis, or a ring-shaped dermatitis of glans penis, and Chiroderma blenorragicum, a painless desquamative psoriatic-like papulosquamous eruption on the soles of the feet, are associated with genitourinary reactive arthritis, and they tend to resolve spontaneously. Assess for evidence of cutaneous tophi, as hyperuricemia and gout are associated with psoriatic arthritis due to the high turnover of psoriatic cells. And gout and psoriatic arthritis can mimic one another. Lastly, don't forget to consider other important differential diagnoses for both monoarthritis and oligoarthritis. For monoarthritis, consider late-stage Lyme disease and pigmented villonodular synovitis. And for oligoarthritis, consider atypical rheumatoid arthritis, gout, 
acute sarcoid arthritis, and gonococcal arthritis. Let's talk about our workup. There is no single test to confirm the diagnosis of seronegative spondyloarthritis. Evaluation requires a combination of clinical, laboratory, and radiological findings. Patients may have elevated ESR and CRP with negative rheumatoid factor, anti-CCP, and ANA. Genetic testing for HLA-B27 can be useful in situations where the diagnosis remains unclear, but it does not need to be ordered if the diagnosis is already likely from the presence of classic clinical or radiographic features. Remember, a positive HLA-B27 itself does not diagnose seronegative spondyloarthritis. Obtaining a plain x-ray of the lumbar spine and sacroiliac joints is helpful in patients presenting with peripheral arthritis with or without inflammatory back pain, as it can help to make the diagnosis of seronegative spondyloarthritis if classic changes are found. Evidence of sacroiliitis can include sclerosis, erosions, pseudo-widening, and ultimately ankylosis. Squaring of vertebral bodies is an early radiographic finding of ankylosing spondylitis, whereas bamboo spine is a late finding. Consider obtaining an MRI in a patient with inflammatory back pain with a normal x-ray as it is more sensitive and may show non-radiographic sacroiliitis. Radiographs of peripheral joints in the hands, wrists, feet, and ankle should also be obtained. Early x-ray features of psoriatic arthritis include joint space narrowing, erosions, and bony proliferation around the joint, and periostitis on the shaft of the bones. New bone formation is not seen in rheumatoid arthritis and can help to distinguish these diseases from each other radiographically. In a patient presenting with diarrhea, send stool cultures to assess for bacterial culprits implicated in reactive arthritis, such as Salmonella, Shigella, Yersinia, and Campylobacter. A fecal calprotectin level and a formal colonoscopy with GI are helpful to diagnose individuals with a suspected underlying inflammatory bowel disease. For patients with suspicion for genitourinary infections, send a workup to look for chlamydia and gonorrhea. Finally, an arthrocentesis is a useful tool for ruling out a septic joint. On to our treatment. Treatment goals for seronegative spondyloarthritis include reducing symptoms, reducing functional limitations, and decreasing complications associated with the disease. For acute peripheral arthritis, start with NSAIDs. Local intraarticular glucocorticoids can be used if infection has been excluded. In the case of disabling acute polyarthritis, oral glucocorticoids may also be considered, but again, make sure to rule out infection first. Appropriate antibiotic therapy should be started in cases of suspected reactive arthritis that would be responsive to antibiotic therapy. Antibiotics may also be required if there is a concern for septic arthritis or gonococcal arthritis while synovial cultures are pending. NSAID should be used to treat inflammatory back disease. Persistent peripheral inflammatory arthritis requires therapy with DMARDs and possibly biologics. 
Persistent axial disease, on the other hand, does not benefit from DMARDs and may require biologics, including TNF inhibitors and IL-17 inhibitors. Keep in mind that IL-17 inhibitors should be avoided in enteropathic arthritis, as it can exacerbate gastrointestinal symptoms. If DMARD therapy is being considered, ensure that patients are screened for hepatitis B and C plus a TB skin test for biologics. Consult your rheumatology colleagues for assistance with therapy selection. Of course, as with any disease process, non-pharmacologic strategies should also be encouraged, including smoking cessation, weight loss, and exercise, which have all been shown to have benefits in seronegative spondylarthritis. Time for a Medicine Minute. Did you know that in the first edition of Harrison's Principles of Internal Medicine textbook, the diseases that we now know as seronegative spondylarthritis were considered to be variants of rheumatoid arthritis? It wasn't until the discovery of HLA-B27 in the 1970s when psoriatic arthritis, enteropathic arthritis, reactive arthritis, and ankylosing spondylitis were found to be interrelated and characterized as a family under the term seronegative spondyloarthritides. Thank you for listening to today's episode entitled Beware of Pear, an approach to seronegative spondyloarthritides. This episode was written by Dr. Stephen Cho, internal medicine resident, and reviewed by Dr. Lori Albert, rheumatologist, and Dr. Vanessa Sinella, general internist. This episode was recorded and produced by Dr. Allison Lai. The Internet Work series was created by Allison Lai and is executively produced by Allison Lai, Leah Karianopoulos, and Zara Morali. Theme song by Lakshman Vizantha Mohan. As always, we have an associated infographic on our website at www.theinternetwork.com. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you again soon.